uh, about. It, the title of my message is Life Beyond the Glass. I want you to take your Bible, turn with me to the book of Revelation, the 14th chapter, and verse 13, Revelation 14 and verse 13. And uh, we're going to look at a lot of Scripture today, and I hope you have your Bible and you'll be able to turn with me uh, quickly and look at a lot of Scripture as we uh, focus in. Uh, this is the fifth part of this uh, sermon entitled Life Beyond the Glass, and we've been uh, breaking down some misconceptions of, of what we uh, uh, just kind of think heaven's going to be like, and I want to continue that uh, today. Uh, here in chapter 14, Revelation verse 13, it says, uh, Then I heard a voice from heaven say, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. It's very, very uh, appropriate for us to uh, have a, a camp theme this morning and uh, get an update about what Christian uh, camp is all about because when I was a kid, I attended, actually it was the precursor of uh, Camp Rudolph where Charlie works and uh, leads as manager. It was called, uh, in those days, it was called Old Dominion Christian Service Camp. And I came from Roanoke, Virginia, Salem, Virginia, uh, down to Chesterfield. The camp met at Pocahontas State Park. And uh, the emphasis in that day, as the title was given, was Old Dominion Christian Service Camp. I remember uh, the schedule so well. We would wake up, be forced to make up our beds. We would eat breakfast. Uh, then we'd have to clean up the dining hall. We'd do Bible lessons, have lunch. We'd clean up the dining hall again. Uh, then we'd go back and clean up the bathhouses, the camps, and uh, the cabins and the whole grounds. Then we'd have recreation and supper. We'd clean up the dining hall again. We'd have vespers, uh, fun uh, time, campfire, and then it was time to go to bed. What I didn't realize then, but I realize now, that mom essentially sent me to a forced labor camp. She really, really did. Uh, you know, it was Old Dominion Christian Service Camp. And the question is, why all the emphasis on Christian service? We go back, and y'all say hello to Jaws this morning. He's hiding out somewhere. Say hello, Jaws. All right, he's hiding out. Jaws has basically two misconceptions that I think every kid has and every adult has. Number one, Jaws thinks that his whole life is encompassed inside the bowl in which he lives. And he believes that everybody outside the bowl has one responsibility. You know what that is? To give him whatever he wants, okay? That's his goal in life. And so he believes, secondly, second misconception, that when he gets to life beyond the glass, when he gets to heaven, guess what? Heaven's going to be little more than God giving him everything he wants. This morning I want to break down what I believe is one of the major misconceptions that people have of what heaven is going to be like. And I call it the lazy boy mentality. You know, there's so many people that think that once you get to heaven, it's going to be one long round of golf. And every time you hit the ball, it's going to be a hole in one. Or it's going to be a great fishing trip. Or it's going to be one long day on the beach. Or it's going to be a shopping trip that goes on forever and you don't have a limit to the money that you can spend. In other words, we have the mentality that heaven's going to be a place where we just get there and we sit back and we relax for eternity. I don't know about you, but I love to relax. But if all heaven's going to be is one long day on an easy chair, after about a gazillion years, that's going to get old. You know what I'm talking about? 
And so this morning what I want to do is focus in on this passage of Scripture in Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, and I want to teach you two very important concepts about heaven. Read it again with me. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. And the Spirit says, yes, they will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. Let me give you two things about heaven. You might want to write them down. Number one, heaven is going to be a place of productive work. Heaven's going to be a place of productive work. Now, the idea of putting work and heaven in the same sentence is foreign to most of us. We buy into the philosophy. There there was a a fable that was out before Jesus even walked on the earth that uh, the image of hell was this guy that had this huge boulder that he was trying to roll up a hill. And he would push and push and push and push and push, and just about the time the boulder got to the crest of the hill, he would slip, and the boulder would roll all the way back down the bottom of the hill, and he had to start over and over and over and over and over again. And that was a common concept of what hell was going to be like. And i got to be honest with you, that probably is not too far from the, tr- from the truth. You see, Satan has convinced us that work is the result of the fall. But that's not the case at all. As a matter of fact, work was a part of God's original design for man and woman in the Garden of Eden. If you don't believe that, go back to the book. You might want to put a bookmarker here. We'll come back after a while. Go to the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis and chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. And I want you to read this one short phrase about what life in the garden was like. It's a beautiful spot. Don't want to take time to read it uh, about the description of the garden. But just verse 15 says, And the Lord God took man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Now the question this morning is, what was Adam and Eve's attitude toward the work that they had to do? Do you think that to them, to work God's creation, to manage the garden, to oversee all that needed to be, do you think that that was a major drudgery to them? Well, the answer to that question is no. To them, work was just like worship, as Charlie was saying early, earlier. Work was as much a part of expressing their love to God than anything else they could possibly do. So when did work become a drudgery? Turn the page to chapter 3, and you'll read about the fall, and come down to verse 17, and you'll see the result of the curse upon men and women, just like you and I. It says to Adam, verse 17, to Adam God said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about uh, which I commanded you must not eat, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field, and by the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since you were taken from dust uh, and you are dust, to dust you will return. Now, what caused work to become menial and tedious and frustrating? I want to tell you, it can be given, answered in one word, three-letter word, and the word is sin. You see, sin causes us to hate work. Sin causes us to settle for unsatisfying careers, doing things that we hate that cause us to long for weekends and for vacations free of what? Work. In our minds, work is bad. 
And work is terrible, and we cannot imagine work being anything good at all. But did you realize that the Bible gives a clear mandate about work, especially for you and I that are Christians? You don't believe that? Go to your New Testament. Find the little book of Colossians. The book of Colossians, I want you to turn there. Everyone find it, Colossians. And in chapter 3, the Apostle Paul gives this description of how Christians ought to work. Now, while you're turning, we don't have time to turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6 through 10. There, the Apostle Paul writes and he says, if a person won't work, then he shouldn't even eat. If a person won't work, he shouldn't even eat. Now, let that soak in just a little bit and think about what that means, especially in our economy and in our time today with all the social programs that we have. But notice what he says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. He says, slaves, that workers, that's you and I, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Notice what he says. Work is a way that we show our reverence to or our worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on, he says, whatever you do, verse 23, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not just for men. You see, work is uh, very much a, a, a Bible mandate. For you and I to understand that our work either validates or negates the gospel is an important thing for us to understand. Let me just ask these questions. Christian, do you show up on time to work or are you habitually late? Do you give eight solid hours of work or however long you're supposed to work or do you just do as little as you can? Are there tasks that you're just too big or too important to do that you'll pass off to someone else below you? Christian worker, does your co-worker or the customers that you serve, do they see Jesus and how you work? Now the Bible teaches that God's reward for faithful work on earth is not an eternal uh, retirement, but rather satisfying work to be done in heaven. Look with me, if you would, go back a couple books. You're in Colossians. Go back a couple books to the book of uh, Ephesians and chapter 2 and just read this one section of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6 down to verse 10. Now, before we read that, I want you to write down Matthew chapter 25. Just write down Matthew 25 and verse 21 and verse 23. That's the parable of the talents. You remember the guy, uh, that uh, uh, master that was going away on a long journey and he was going to give, divide up responsibilities to uh, his servants. One servant he gave five talents uh, or five bags of gold to a, a second he gave two bags of gold and one he gave one bag of gold or one talent of gold. He went away on a long journey and he came back in the scriptures, the story says that he came back and he says now's the time for the counting of all that you've done. So he brought in all the servants. And he said, what have you done with what I gave you? To the one servant who had the one talent, who hid his talent in the ground, the master said, 
You are a lazy, wicked servant. Because you took what I gave you and hid it away rather than investing it and making more for me. You remember the other two guys? One with five talents, bags of gold, one with two talents, bags of gold. They came back in, they reported, and they said, we've doubled your money, we've doubled your investment. Do you recall in verse 21 what the, and 23 what the master said to them? The, 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 you're not there, but I'm just reminding you of the story. He said, number one, you're a good and a faithful servant. And number two, you've been faithful over a little, little amount. Now come into your kingdom, and you've got even greater responsibility to give. Now Jesus tells us that that's all about the kingdom of heaven. Folks, notice the servants that did a great job. They weren't told, come into the kingdom of heaven, relax, sit back on the chair, and enjoy eternity forever without any responsibility. Ephesians chapter 2 talks of this. He says in verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us in the heavenly realms. He's talking about heaven in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you've been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's the work of God, not by works so that anyone could boast, verse 10, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance. Folks, I want you to understand, when you get to heaven, uh, you're going to have responsibility. You're going to have the work to do. Now, what will work be like in heaven? I'll just throw several ideas out to you, and I could spend a lot of time uh, sharing a lot of scripture about each uh, of them. Number one, uh, in heaven, we're going to work for God's glory, not our own glory. In heaven, we're going to work for God's glory and not our own glory. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 7, verse 10, that this huge ma magnitude from every language, people, tribe, and nation, says that they were before the throne of God, and they served him night and day in his temple, and he sits on the throne and will spread his tent over them. Folks, there'll be no room for pride in the kingdom of heaven. We will, number two, we'll work with a servant's heart. You know, it's going to be a heart that says, I wish I could have done more, not less. Jesus tells a remarkable parable in Luke chapter 17, verse 10. It's not a parable we hear a lot about these days, but it's one we ought to understand. Jesus tells this parable about a group of servants that are out working in the, in the fields, and they came in after a hard day's work, and the master sits down at a table and says, now you give me something to eat. And Jesus says the point of the story is this. The servants didn't whine. They didn't complain. They didn't say, you didn't thank me for my hard day's work. They just got up and they served their master. And they said, when, and Jesus said, when you've done everything you were told to do, to do, you should say, we're just unworthy servants. And we've only done our duty. Folks, there aren't going to be any hurt feelings in heaven because nobody said thank you for what we did. But all of us will serve out of a servant's heart with an attitude of saying, I just wish I could have done more for the kingdom of God. And finally, we'll work out of our passions and giftedness, not in menial, unsatisfying labor. 
The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 6, that each one of us has been given gift, different gifts according to the grace given us. Now, let me ask you this question. God has given us all certain passions and gifts. Those are the types of things that when we do them, it just, man, it just blesses our heart. It just excites us. It gets our energy going. Why would we think that the moment we died after God has given us a lifetime of developing personal interests and passions, that we would go to heaven only to have to do something that we hate? Folks, in heaven you're going to have responsibility and solid productive work, and it will be a blessing to you. But I want to tell you something else this morning. And that is that heaven is going to be a place of satisfying rest. A place of satisfying rest. A place of productive work, but also a place of satisfying rest. Satan has convinced us that heaven's going to be boring. I, I, I love the fireside uh, cartoon that uh, said, man, oh, there's a guy sitting on a cloud somewhere, and he said to himself, man, if I knew heaven was going to be so boring, I wish I would have bought a magazine along with me. You know, uh, we have the attitude that, uh, man, uh, life's just going to go on and on and on. But let me ask you this question. Isn't there a difference between the rest that you require from menial, taxing, boring kind of work that you have to do day in and day out, and the rest that you desire and receive Man, when you have worn yourself out doing something you love, and maybe you fall into bed totally exhausted, but because you love it so much, the rest is so very, very sweet. I wish I had time for us to go back to the book of Genesis in chapter 2 and verse 1 through 3. We don't have time to do that. Or Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8. We don't have time to do that either. But in both of those sections of Scripture, we read that uh, God created rest. Do you remember the first time in the Bible it said that anybody rested? Anybody, anybody remember who it was? So on the seventh day, God rested. Well, let me ask you this question. Did God need a break? Was he tired? Did he have to sit down and relax because he was worn out? Well, I'll be honest with you, maybe, maybe. I don't know that. You try creating everything in six days. I mean, you try creating all the stuff in just six days, and it was a mountainous amount of work to do. But I don't think that's why God rested. I think it was because he wanted to teach us something so significant about our lives. And that is, we need rest. He made it one of his Ten Commandments. You need to rest. Now, we're not Jews, and so we don't have to observe Sabbath day laws, but I think the life cycle that Jesus teaches is very, very solid to understand. Write down, if you would, Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 9 through 11. And I want you to read that, study it on your own, because nine times in 11 verses, heaven is described in two words. It's called a Sabbath rest. Folks, I want you to understand that in heaven, you will rest. How? You'll work, then you'll rest. You'll work, then you'll rest. You'll work, then you'll rest. You see, God built in that eternal idea of the need to rest. 
Now, I ask you to turn uh, to Mark, uh, Revelation chapter 14. I want to turn back there and close with this, giving you just two or three applications, and we'll be done this morning. Go back to Revelation chapter 14. But you notice what it says very, very carefully in verse 13. It says, and I've used this in many funeral sermons. It said, blessed are the dead from now on who die in the Lord. And the Spirit says, yes, they will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. I thought to myself, when I first read that passage of Scripture, it didn't really make a lot of sense until I got into the translation work and understood exactly what he was saying. He says, blessed is everyone who dies in the Lord uh, because they're going to rest from their labor. The word used there is that trouble, that annoying uh, type of work, that struggle, that boring kind of thing that we just have to meticulously go through because their deeds, again, it's the word work, their labor is going to follow them even into heaven. Folks, heaven is not going to be a place where you just sit on a bench somewhere and just say, man, I've got eternity to do nothing because God created us with a desire, with the need to be productive. And in heaven, we'll be productive. God is certainly teaching us a life cycle that our bodies and our minds and our emotions require. Go to the next slide, and we've got to the point of the message that you need to ask a question. And the question is what? Say it out loud. So what? What am I going to do with this? Let me give it to you. I want to talk to two groups of people that are here today. The uh, Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse uh, 1 says, make sure you don't fall short of God's rest. And I want to talk to two different kinds of people here today. First, people that know Jesus as Savior of their life, but work like you don't. People that know Jesus as Savior of your life, but work like you don't. There are a couple groups of people that are here this morning that uh, you might fall into. Uh, one, you might be one of those workaholics that, man, uh, you just go all the time. You never slow down. You're always working. Can I say this to you? Look, look at me. You're not God. So stop acting like you got to run the universe because you can't and you won't. And it will not happen in your life. I would suggest to you, leave your work at work. Come home at night with your family. Spend weekends, take vacations, and leave work behind. I'll give you a good idea. Man, cell phones are great, but cell phones are terrible. I'll tell you what I do. Sometimes people will ask me, did you get my email uh, that, I, that I sent you yesterday on Sunday? Did you get my email I sent you on, Sunday, uh, on Saturday? And I'll always answer, no, I didn't. I'm sorry. I'll get it Monday morning. Saturday, typically, is my day off. An email to me is almost always work. And even if I don't do something about what you've asked me to do on Saturday, it's in my mind. You know what I'm talking about? I didn't create this world, and I'm figuring if it's a major emergency, you'll probably call me, and then I can go into action. But I just need to have a day off. Do you agree with that? Just like you need to have a day off. Leave that rascal behind or toss it out the window or turn it off. You're not that important. On the other hand, I want to talk to slackers. If you're a slacker here today, I want to tell you, get off your throne. 
Start looking for places that you can serve Jesus in the way you work. I would start out this, this way. Every Monday morning we come in here, every single Monday morning we come in here after worship and the first thing that somebody on staff does is walk up and down the aisles and pick up dirty, half-drunk coffee cups that people have been too lazy to carry to the trash can. Can I get an amen out of that? Or I'm guilty. Get off your lazy haunches and clean up after yourselves in worship. Can I tell you why you don't do it here? Because you don't do it at home. You don't do it at work. Man, you don't pick up trash when you're walking uh, across the parking lot or in your office. You don't leave the best parking space up close for your co-workers. And you don't realize that the reason people around you that you work with probably are going to hell is because they're watching the way you work. And friend, it doesn't matter what you say about Jesus if the way you work doesn't show him in uh, what you do. You need motivation to learn how to be a servant? Go to John chapter 13 and uh, realize what Jesus has to say about serving people. And the second group of people I want to talk to here this morning are people that don't know Jesus as Savior of, their, uh, of your life. And I just want to tell you this morning that heaven's going to be a great place of productive work and satisfying rest. And I want you to understand that the Lord Jesus Christ loves you more than you can ever imagine. And this morning we're going to close out the service by giving you an opportunity to respond to the gospel because Jesus Christ so much wants you to be in heaven. And if you don't know what your relationship with Jesus Christ is and you're not sure you're going to heaven, Aaron and I are going to be here at the front. We'd love to talk to you about those things. But if you have a work issue... Either you're a slacker or, man, you're one of those workaholic type of people. I just tell you, today's the day to repent of that and turn around. The cross is here for you to come and kneel before and leave your sin of work in an unhealthy, unchristlike way behind. Let's uh, pray together. We're going to sing a song. You get up and move as you desire. Father God, I just pray, Lord, that you'll teach us what heaven's going to be like. And Father, we look forward to the day when Jesus returns. And now, Lord Jesus, we just pray that you would breathe uh, your commitment into our lives, uh, a conviction into our lives. And Father, I pray that your spirit would work among us and that, Father, we would do one of two things this morning. Either we would repent of our uh, uh, Christless attitude toward the way we work, or we'd give our lives to Christ. One or the other, Father, make that happen because a, a lost world is watching how we do life every single day. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a decision to make this morning, uh, y'all come as we stand together as we sing.